What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 156 of the Stand Up Guys podcast. I'm your host, the incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by star of the porn parody, The Goo Beetle, where he plays the lead role of Hyman Gay Ass. Oh, <laughs> the <that's> phenomenal. Nice. <laughs> hey, Jason. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Listen, they can't all be winners. <laughs> That was a hard one to even make a name out of. I didn't Bet. know what to do. <laughs> blue Skeetle. You know what? That probably would have been better. <laughs> I was thinking maybe like the blue balls, but then uh, I was like, no, nah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I went the laziest round possible. Uh, well, if you guys couldn't guess, this is going to be our review of Blue Beetle. Um and for anyone, if you haven't watched or, or listened to any of our reviews, what we do is uh, first just kind of a brief overview and spoiler free review and impressions but then what sets us apart is we're going to do a deep dive we're going to do a nice uh scene by scene breakdown of the plot go real in depth but yeah just a surface level no spoilers here uh aj what did you think of blue beetle i was surprised by how much i liked it like it wasn't bad it wasn't dull like i expect dc movies to be these days it was uh full of life and color and it was, it was fun I, I thought it was uh it lived up to higher than expectations for me yeah i was i don't know if it's because i went into it with like really low expectations because i think we talked about just like from the to me the trailers didn't look good and it just kind of i was like I, w- I was almost like lethargic going into me this too. movie just like uh i guess we'll go and i was pleasantly surprised i i certainly liked it more than i thought i would yeah now, I don't know if, like, I loved it. I, like, I don't know, like, if I'll revisit this movie. If I do, it certainly won't be anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly liked it more than a lot of the, you know, more recent DC movies, which yeah. I know is, like, being the nicest guy in prison. But, uh, you know, I certainly liked it more than The Flash, more than Shazam 2, more yeah. than Black Adam. Um, I had I had at least some fun with it. Yeah, without giving away spoilers, I think this movie had heart. You know, and and there's some other DC movies that didn't have that kind of heart. You know, this one had like this one pulled on your heartstrings and I I bought into the story. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, Shazam 2 definitely played with that idea of of family. Yeah. But I thought this one did that probably a little better. Yeah. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the uh, performances go, like the lead guy I thought was was pretty good. uh, And... um, the only and like Susan Sarandon is a great actress, but I thought her character was so shallow, yeah, so mustache twirling evil, <laughs> cookie cutter bad guy. Yes, like you know that whole thing where it's like you know the best villains don't see themselves as villains, you right? Know? I think even she sees herself as a villain. Like there's <laughs> no depth to her character at all. It's just evil, evil, evil. Well, there's okay, there's a little bit I'll give her. Like she did feel slighted when her brother got the company and she didn't, I guess. Something like that. So she yeah, felt like she had something to prove, like to force success into right. the company. She she said that she's the one who built it up and all that stuff. So I get that that's her focus, but at the same time, like she was pretty one dimensional in that Paper way. thin, yeah. 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 Um what would you say, I mean, we usually do this in the spoiler-free section. If you were just going to give a, you know, your base, you know, recommendation, see this in theaters, wait for streaming, don't watch it all, what would you say? I'm I'm on the fence between uh, see it in theaters and wait for streaming. You know, it's a good time. 
you know, if you go out and you want to see something and you just want to, you know, kick it, that, I think you could go watch this movie for sure. And, uh, you know, if, you, if you're if you strapped on time and you can't really get out, then, yeah, wait for it. That's fine. Personally, I'm going to wait for streaming on, on this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine to watch it at home. Um, you know, I could definitely see, like, um, you know, the Latino audience wanting to, you know, yeah. go out and support this. For sure. Um, but... Um, and I yeah, gotta say, it was, it was nice to see, like, that representation in the movie. Like, I'm not Latino, but I still, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's all, with these things, like, that's never a selling point to me. It, it's just how well it does. It's like, I like Black Panther because it was a good right, yeah. good movie, you know, yeah. but it's a plus that it's, like, you know, yeah. a prominent, mm-hmm. you know, uh, black superhero. And same with this, like, just on the surface level, like, I don't really care, but, you know, the fact that, you know, it was a decent movie. Yeah, you know, that makes too. it, yeah. like... If it was a bad movie and then they had Latino, then you know that just wouldn't be good. That, yeah, that would be a, like a double negative, yeah. you know. That, um, but uh, I gotta say though, like you know, I don't know if they'll make another one of these. Would you? Did you like this well enough that you would want to see another one, or would your preference be that they s- start from scratch at Superman Legacy and, and not revisit this? From what I understand, James Gunn is saying that Blue Beetle is going to be part of the uh, moving forward DC universe. Yeah, I know he had that interview with, uh, is it Michael Rosenberg? Something like sure. that. And like, I didn't listen to that interview, but like, I heard that he, he said that, like, you know, Blue Beetle would kind of be like possibly the first like superhero of his new thing. I don't know if he's holding to that or not. If, and I don't know how well this movie is going to do in theaters either. Yeah, I mean, I think expectations are kind of like, you know, down like we were, you know, right. but uh, maybe it can pleasantly surprise people. I know the Rotten Tomatoes last time I checked was like 74 or 76% or something. Yeah. Yeah. Let me bring that up. I think it's at like a 76%, mm-hmm. and which is pretty good. Um, I mean, I, th- I thought it was going to be, you know, lower right. than my expectations. Uh, yeah. It currently sits at a 76%. Yeah. So not bad at all. Um, yeah. I think uh, it, it does depend on how well this movie does, but I'm not sure. Was he was he hands on with this movie? Like, was this one of his creations? No, um, no. This would have still been uh, before he ever came aboard. Okay. I, I did notice that it says it's a Saffron Productions, which is like his like Peter Saffron is that guy he's doing everything with. So okay. apparently his production company had a hand in it. But you know, I but no, this would have still been before James Gunn was really you, you know, know just had input. Because because I thought it was pretty well done, I kind of thought he might have had some involvement. I, I I would appreciate Blue Beetle being in the future of the DC universe. I, I think he was done pretty well, and I'm still curious about what he's capable of doing. And yeah, it'd be cool to see him in like a team up eventually or something. I'm a bit indifferent on it, where like I like this enough to where if they did it, I'd be like, okay, we'll see what they can do. Mm-hmm. But if they decide that this is a one and done, I'm okay with that too. I, yeah, you know, won't be crestfallen or anything. Yeah. Um, oh, I should run down that uh, this movie, the the cast lineup, and boy, if you ever wanted to hear a white guy butcher a bunch of Spanish <laughs> names, hey, this is for you. Uh, Solo Maraduena is Jaime Reyes. Uh, Adriana Barraza is Nana. Uh, Damien Alcazar is Alberto Reyes. <clears throat> That's his father. Uh, Elpidia Carrillo is Rocio Reyes, is his mother. Uh, Becky G is the voice of Kaji Da. Uh, I'm too. I, I, I clicked on her name. Apparently, Becky G was she like became famous on YouTube, like uh, doing songs and like covers oh. and stuff. And then I, I had never heard of her. Yeah. Uh, we got Bruna Marquezine, Marquezine as Jenny Cord. Uh, Raul Max Trujillo as Conrad Carapax. Susan 
Suzanne Sarandon is <laughs> Victoria Court. Uh, George Lopez is uh, Uncle Rudy. Uh, and uh, Belissa Escobedo as Milagro Reyes. That's his sister. And then I thought this was funny. They put Harvey Gillen. Gillen as uh, Dr. Sanchez, which is just funny because as we find out in the movie, that's not his real character. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I will uh, say, since we're still in spoiler free, is, um, you know, when I first saw the ads for this, I thought that George Lopez's character I might find annoying, Mm -hmm. but I actually ended up liking his character and thought he was kind of a standout. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate his character. I appreciate the comedy, the humor. Even if it didn't always land, it was like still good enough. Right, yeah. So I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by like his performance and inclusion in the movie. Um, any any uh, kind of surface thoughts before we get into spoilers? Um, let's get into it. Okay, guys. Uh, from this point on, it's it's full spoilers ahead. Um, yeah, so if you don't want to be spoiled on Blue Beetle, this is your turn, a chance to turn away. But here we go. Uh, so AJ, we open on a helicopter that's carrying Victoria Cord uh, to. I don't know if they ever specify where this is. It's some sort of Arctic region where it's like snowing and stuff. And uh, there's a group of men that's led by Carapac. So this is where we're introduced to him. And um, he's working. uh, They're basically working on cutting open this like large metal sphere, I guess, that they believe contains the the scarab. I was kind of interested in the backstory of that, of like, how it ended up there, how they found it. How they know about it. Yeah, but we never really get that information. Yeah. And this care pack's like, uh, he has like this this metal arm and and several metal implants. Now, one thing I'll say is like we mentioned earlier, like Susan Sarandon is just a mustache twirling villain, nothing to her. They, towards the end of this movie, give this guy a little bit of depth, but by then it's almost like too late. Yeah. You know, to it's like, oh, he had depth. We maybe would have cared more if you gave that to us earlier, but mm. I don't know. Um so yeah, they're 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 drilling for the to find the scarab. And from that we go move into the opening credits. And in this uh opening credit montage, we do like see like headlines of newspapers that gives us a little bit of context for the world. Mm. Uh, so we find out that both Dan Garrett and Ted Cord were previous versions of the Blue Beetle, and that Victoria became CEO of Cord Industries after Ted like mysteriously went missing or whatever. Uh, now, I'll be honest. Even though I read a lot of comics, I'm not super familiar with like the the Blue Beetle mm-hmm. uh, mythos. But I did look up. So Dan Garrett was the first Blue Beetle in the comics. And I guess, like, originally, originally, like, I think he came out in, like, the 40s. And he was basically this basic kind of vigilante that didn't even have, like, any superpowers. And he just, like, dressed up as a beetle or whatever, you know, and fought crime. And then he was eventually acquired by uh, Charleston Comics, who then, in turn, was acquired by DC eventually. And... um, then so he was basically relaunched in the in the 60s and in that incarnation of him he was like an archaeologist and he he finds a scarab like uh in Egypt or somewhere you know and it it does kind of give him superpowers but it it's more of like a mythical thing yeah. than like the technology based one okay. in this movie yeah. and the connection is apparently like he would say the word kajida and it would transform him, like give him powers oh, like when he said, kind of, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, 
And I, I've never read, I, I've kind of wanted to, but I've never read any of the Jaime Reyes uh, Blue Beetle comics. So, like, I don't know if, like, they also named it uh, Kajida like mm-hmm. they do in this movie in the comics. They they, okay. they maybe did, but that seems like where that comes from. And then um, when Ted Cord became the Blue Beetle, his was just, uh, didn't involve the scare, but it was just technology-based. Like, he was this really smart guy. Mm. He made Ted... Or, or court industries or whatever and became like rich but he like Batman yeah kind of like a Batman type <laughs> character and he made all these inventions and fought crime you know mm-hmm. so um, and then eventually he became like kind of a very lighthearted, jokey character him and Booster Gold had a lot of adventures together okay. Blue and Gold you know yeah. um, okay so after the opening credits um, uh, we're introduced to Jaime uh, at uh, Palmera City Airport now, I was curious about this, too, because, like, um, I guess in the comics, Jaime lives in, like, El Paso, Texas. Oh, okay. But for this, they, they decided not, probably because El Paso is just not very, like, scenic or visual, boring, yeah, right. visually interesting. Uh, so they created this Palmera City, which I, I believe is basically supposed to be an analog for Miami, Florida. Okay. I think. Uh, it looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's returning home from college where he just graduated. And so now we're introduced to his family. There was a street. I think he lived on El Paso Street. Oh, did he? Yeah, they, they showed the street. Okay, that could be an homage to the comics then. Um, so his family are getting ready to meet him at the airport. And and they're talking that we, we get that they're withholding some sort of bad news from him, but they don't spill the beans right, right there. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they he shows up and they, they greet him and everything. And so they, as they go outside, we're introduced to Uncle Rudy, played by George Lopez. And, like, he's this guy who's, like, very paranoid of the government. Oh, yeah. Thinks the government's always, you know, Big, big Brother's watching well, you. Well, I think, I think, like, they don't mention it per se, but, like, I think maybe some of them don't have – they're undocumented or something. So that's why they're nervous about it. Yeah, actually – that rem- yeah, because later on in the movie um, George Lopez has a conversation with him where he talks about when they were kids, like – coming over at the age of 10 across the border or something. Mm-hmm. And then how like the next 20 years there were very tough or whatever. So yeah, I, I believe they are undocumented. Oh, at least the older ones. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, uh, you know, interesting. Um, oh, Rudy, he drives like his pride and jo- joy pickup truck, which he calls taco. I guess. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. Maybe a little, bit yeah, a little stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> Did it do that sound? Did they do that? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> Might as well. Taco. Um, so they go to dinner. And at this dinner, they, they reveal the bad news to, to Jaime. Um, the, man, really, the, the triple. Number one, they're losing their house. Which to me, that is funny just because it's like a, you know, the whole like, oh, we're, we're going to lose the farm type of like, yeah. you know, classic like problem. Like, oh, now we got to make money to to keep it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, like uh, their family owned an auto shop and they also lost that. Yeah. And they, they kind of mentioned that like, you know, Cord Industries is big in the, this world. And it's like they're squeezing out all the mom and pop businesses. Like they're the Amazon of this like yeah. world or whatever, you know. And also, and even like even like land, like land wise, they're like pushing out like people from certain areas. Yeah, that's another thing they message is like uh, mentioned in a bit is like that's uh, why their rent got tripled. Yeah, it seems like anytime the rich people, you know, oh, they want this part of town, they start squeezing the poor people out. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and also, they were withholding that his dad had a heart attack. What's that one I thought was a little silly because I'm like, really? They wouldn't have told him that his dad had a heart attack. That's something you usually tell like right away. Like, <laughs> like I, I had a hard time believing that one. And I'm like, okay, even even if like the mother and grandmother didn't, I think his sister would have totally told him. Well, I mean, look, if suspension of disbelief is an issue, there's going to be some problems coming up later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say... This movie, like all DC, well, really all superhero movies, yeah. uh, there's some there's some logic <laughs> problems in this movie at, at, at times that we'll get to. Um, so now we get a scene on the roof uh, with Jaime and his sister. I will say I really did like their relationship. Yeah. Um, it uh, a lot of good banter between them. I thought it, it seemed like a real relationship. I yeah. thought they had like good chemistry as a brother sister. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um. So Jaime tells his sister that he will somehow, you know, get a job and uh, and save the house and everything. And this is, uh, like you were mentioning, she, she talks, because they're kind of in, like, the crappy part of town. And they're kind of looking at the bright lights and the skyscrapers of the city. And, yeah, she mentions that, like, you know, uh, whenever the rich people, you know, I think she mentions that, like, you know, they wanted some land on the other side of the track somewhere else and they ended up getting that land and like yeah. the same thing's going to happen here they're just going to squeeze squeeze out all the poor people and the brown people you mm. know that kind of thing uh but yeah Jaime says you know he's got his degree so he'll get a job and within 5 years uh they'll own not only their house but a mansion and an infinity pool so now we transition uh to a well-dressed Jaime in front of a pool uh, but it's revealed that, you know, him and his sister, they got jobs working at, like, this swanky hotel. Yeah. Uh, so they happen to notice uh, Victoria Accord, like, entering the hotel. And Jaime even, like, waves to her, and she just, of course, ignores him. Which really, why would she like, yeah. engage in conversation? <laughs> like, what was he expecting to get out of that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so at the hotel, Victoria is met by her niece, Jenny Cord, And so she plays this commercial... Uh, where Victoria introduces um, um, OMAC suits. Um, so this is another thing from the comics, OMAC, one-man army corps. Uh, you know, and these are like suits that soldiers can wear basically uh, to keep order in the world. So basically introducing this like fascist like element, you know. Yeah. And so Jenny is upset that Cord Industries is making military applications uh, because she knows that's not what her father... Uh, would have wanted if he was still running the company, you know. Mm. Uh, I did, like, was this commercial, though? Like, was this, like, an internal commercial that would have just been for, like, military officials? Because it's not like we see, like, commercials on television of, like, you know, like Raytheon or, or yeah. <laughs> promoting, like, you know, military sure, stuff to the public yeah. or anything. So I wasn't sure who that commercial was meant for. Um um, so, so Jenny's kind of getting in a, like, you know, fighting, uh, with Victoria. So Victoria kind of uses care packs to intimidate her. And I think he like, maybe like puts his hand on her or something and she's yeah. like saying, let me go or whatever. Mm. And so when, oh, oh, I should set up that like, um, Jaime's sister is like, <laughs> she's like, I got to take a dump. So I'm going to dump in like the, the fancy restroom that i'm not supposed to use and yeah. like you're gonna be a lookout yeah, risk their job for that <laughs> <laughs> uh so while he's on the lookout he like he overhears this conversation so once care packs like grabs jenny like he comes to her defense and is like hey you know let her go 
so Victoria promptly, I don't know if she like owns the hotel and fires Jaime and his sister or if she's just like has the power to like tell the hotel officials they fire these two. But anyway, yeah. she gets them fired, you yeah. know, cause, uh, for interfering. Um, so as Jenny leaves the hotel, she thanks Jaime for like, you know, defending her. And she tells him to contact her the next day and she might be able to get him a job at Cord Industries. And she like gives him uh, her, her phone number. Um, so back home, Jaime kind of looks up Jenny online and we can see that he's like developing a crush on her. Um, we also get a scene at night where he's talking to his dad. I don't remember their exact conversation, but basically his dad's like, you know, proud of him. And he says like the Reyes family will always like persevere, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so the next day Jaime goes to court industries, uh, with his whole family cheering him on. And this was in the trailer too, where like they're embarrassing him, like cheering him on as he goes in the building or whatever. (laughs) Okay. So I wrote... The receptionist is a casually racist Karen who assumes Jaime is a delivery boy, despite the fact that he's wearing a suit suit, and pronounces his name wrong, even when he corrects her. Because she's like, Jamie. And he's like, oh, actually, it's Jaime. And she's like, okay, Jamie. I had a problem with it. It Just the the whole, like, the whole casual racism thing. I'm like... In this instance, it's just so silly that I'm like, she would not have thought he was a delivery boy. Mm. You know, I don't know. I I thought it was very hokey. Yeah, I mean, unless she was just so racist that she went out of her way to call him a delivery boy. (laughs) (laughs) But even, uh, and we'll we'll get to it too, but Susan Sarandon in this movie, another part of her mustache twirling thing, she's the same way, just casually racist, says these things that you're like, really? Okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I just thought that was very cartoony and had my me rolling my eyes a little bit. But um, So as he's waiting, uh, we get a scene where Jenny puts on a, like a, I don't know, like a, almost like a radioactive like scientist suit or whatever to, that covers her oh, right. body and face. Yeah. And she infiltrates the room that's holding the scarab. So apparently they did find the scarab in the Arctic region and now it's in this facility. Uh, and she steals the scarab and she places it in a fast food container. Um, that that uh, belong to the, to who we know as Doctor Sanchez. I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but before she can get out of the building, that scientist does notice that the scarab is gone, and he's like hits the alarm and he's like lock down the building. Uh, so Jaime runs up to uh, Jenny in the building, and she's like she knows they're going to be watching her, so she, like she gives the the container to him, and she's like, hey, um, I can help you out or whatever. Or pay you or whatever, but you, you got to take this, protect or what, and, and don't open it. You know, mm. um, whatever you do, don't open it. So then, back at his house, his family immediately convinces him to open the yeah. container. Um, so both his sister and his uncle Rudy like touch the scarab and look at it, and nothing happens. Uh, but when Jaime touches it, uh, it the scarab painfully melds with him, turning him into the blue beetle. You also kind of get a glimpse of that scene in the trailers. Yeah, I, I, his family was. I know they were kind of freaking out. They were freaking out, but I would be freaking <laughs> out. I'd be like, "Oh my god, are you gonna die? What's going on?" Like, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It does look like it's it's like v- really hurting him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, His parents are just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Our furniture. <laughs> Our roof. I, I did think it's funny that, like, 
he does in the scene end up like uh, falling and breaking the table. Yeah. And like before um, he gets back, they're already like screwing the legs back on the table. <laughs> like that's the priority. Like we got to fix this table. <laughs> um, so yeah, as his family is freaking out, Jaime can hear the voice of the scarab, uh, which uh, is named Kaji Da. I will say maybe my hearing's bad or just, I could never make it out. But like, as I'm watching this movie, I could never he- like, understand exactly what they were saying yeah. but apparently that's it is kaji da okay uh the suit propels jaime into space as it like it's calibrating the the suit or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. the functions of the suit um so yeah it propels him all the way out into into space and then it makes jaime fall to earth and he's like you know he's like oh i'm on fire or whatever but he's apparently the suit's fireproof or whatever so this, though, I thought was silly. So it, it drops him, and it doesn't even, like, start to slow down. Once he gets, like, you know, like a couple inches b- above the ocean surface, it just stops him. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're dead. Yeah. I don't care if you're in that suit. <laughs> you were going, like, terminal velocity, and you just stopped. Like, right. like It's like when Iron Man gets hit really hard in the Iron Man suit, and you're just like, well, he's just a bloody pulp inside that right, suit. Right, exactly. The suit might be fine, but he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. He's 100% dead. And, and Jaime is 100% just organs, like, busted inside yeah. of his suit at this point. But it's liquid. <laughs> it's one of those things you just got to go with. Um, so then it, like, flies, flies him, like, all over the place. Like, he's hitting things in the water. And eventually it propels him into the city. And he falls, like, through a, a car. And then he stands up, and this is the scene we get in the trailer where he, he gets hit by the bus, but the suit protects him and just, like, cuts the buff, bus in half. And luckily, nobody was in the middle yeah, of the bus right? at that time. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, everybody's fine. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I just rewatched Chong chi not long ago. And oh. It has that scene, too, where yeah. the bus gets kind of cut in half, you know. Mm. Um, so... Um, after that, the suit takes Jaime because I guess it it's like, oh, I completed my function, so uh, uh, I'll just take him back home. So the suit takes Jaime back home and dumps him uh, butt naked in front of his family. This is really the only drawback to him getting this powers is every time the suit comes off, he's naked. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you always have to have a plan. Uh, so uh, he, when he wakes up, his family, of course, is all surrounding him, even even though he's, like, naked. I guess they put, like, a towel over him or whatever. Uh, he, he gets up, and he get, goes to his room and gets dressed. And he does notice, like, the scarab, like, you know, sticking out of his back. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all fused in his spine and everything. Um, so he freaks out, and he decides, you know, he, he's got to de- find out how to get this out of him. And he's like, well, Jenny is the only one who's going to know how to, to get it out. So um, he's going to go see Jenny. And then he goes outside, and uh, then Rudy notices that he took uh, his taco truck. <laughs> so he's, like, freaking out. Um, I don't know exactly where this scene happened, but it had to have been somewhere around here. At some to- point, there's, like, this party uh, where Victoria promises an uh, army general that she's going to supply him with a bunch of OMAC suits. Yeah. Which, to me, couldn't she have waited... Uh, until she like completed those suits before making the promise. I mean, I just figured that's how business works. They want their money. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, he, he pro- she promises them um, all these suits and she introduces them to Carapax. Uh, but then shortly after Carapax, you know, takes her over privately and tells her about the theft of the scarab by Jenny. And so she's like, you know, tells him you better get, get it back or whatever. Um, so when Jaime pulls up to Cord Industries, 
this was a little bit convenient, but I guess he, he sees that Jenny's like hiding behind like some of these cars, yeah. like on the outskirts of the building. Like, s- seems like she's hiding from somebody. And he's like, you know, uh, says like, "Hey, what are you doing?" So like, she immediately jumps in the truck and sh- she's like, "We got to get out of here." And he's like, "What's going on?" And then like, all these soldiers show up and are just like machine gun fire into mm-hmm. into the truck. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which this happens in some of these movies where, like, you know, a private, like, rich person will, like, basically own their own private army. But I'm like, do the police not get involved at all when soldiers are machine gunning on the streets? <laughs> I have no idea. But I figure if you're a rich person, you can do almost anything. <laughs> you could have a private army, I guess. Uh, but anyway, they, they do get away in the truck. Uh, and uh, Jaime takes Jenny back to his house, uh, surrounded by his family. Um, she says that if they want any hope of removing the scarab, they will need a key uh, that's being held at Court Industries. Uh, Rudy is against it because he believes the government will either kill or imprison Jaime, which he's right on the money there. Yeah. But he's like, if we're going to do this, like uh, he believes he has some equipment that can help them get past security. Now, this I, – I do kind of like George Lopez in this movie, but I think they make his character – capable of a little bit too much especially as we get later on in the movie but the fact that oh he happens to be this guy who's paranoid of the government so of course in his spare time he's making all these machines to hide from the government and and do all this like stuff you know i'm like "Eh, that's that's a little convenient but okay whatever (laughs) there's always some like convenient tech person or something in these movies yeah there's always the the man in the chair or whatever they say that you know can do this impossible stuff uh, so Rudy drives Jaime and Jenny to uh, Accord Industries, and like to get his device in the back to work, he like kicks it. <laughs> but I thought this was funny. So this huge like device he's got in his back, basically all it does is make all the security monitors in Accord Industries display like this weird Spanish cartoon, mm. and I'm like, <laughs> wouldn't the 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 security people be like? Okay, something weird's going on. Like, fan out and see what's causing this. Yeah. Instead of just be like, you know, it'd be one thing if it took over the cameras and just made it like, um, you know, like they do in some spy movies where it just stays on like a the pre-recorded image. Yeah. I'm like, that would make sense. But now this would arouse the guard's suspicion. Exactly. It, it, but no, it for some reason doesn't, and <laughs> and it allows Jaime and Jenny to to go in there. Um. So yeah, they they get in there, um, and Jenny ends up stealing this this watch, like an Apple Watch or something, uh, that belonged to her father, and apparently that's the key that mm. she needed. Um, so as they're leaving the building, they're confronting by Carapax, <laughs> and so I thought this was a bit weird too. So so Carapax, as we mentioned, he's got like the big metal arm, mm-hmm. he's got all these metal implants, and and we'll eventually see why he has those. But he, like, touches this button on the metal thing on the back of his neck, and, like, it shoots out all these, like, armor things, you know, and makes him, like, all-powerful. And so this isn't quite the Omax suit, right. but I'm like, this is powerful enough. They could just sell this technology to the military. They could pretty well with this stuff, yeah. <laughs> this is all they them? need. They don't need the fancy Omax suit. This is really all they need. And exactly. So I thought that was a little bit silly that he's already this powerful. Oh, yeah, I, I even wrote my notes here. Question, couldn't they just sell this technology to the military? Yeah. <laughs> they really could. Um, so they get in this fight. They, they they knock around a bunch of cars. 
Uh, Jenny escapes and goes to Rudy's truck. Um, so the Scarab gives Jaime all sorts of uh, like martial arts moves and weapons to knock down care packs. And my thing is, uh, is like, um, is Jaime like, is he just along for the ride? Like, that's the part I didn't know. Is the suit just because he doesn't know martial arts? Right. So it seems like the suit is just basically like controlling him. I guess like maybe you can say it's like feeding how to do this into his brain, and then he's doing it. But I, I wasn't sure. Well, I, I know this. The suit is sentient, and then you know he obviously is. I think they they mentioned that they kind of melded together. So yeah. maybe it's like a little cross between both of them, like his intentions and the suit's abilities or something. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, they do mention later that like the suit basically entwines with his brain. Yeah. Um so yeah, eventually he's able to knock down Carapax, but then the suit basically goes to kill Carapax, like gives him this big sword, and Jaime pleads with it to stop and he's like, uh, you know, we don't kill. Because yeah. earlier he had that scene where he was gonna kill somebody. Did we mention that? Where he was going to kill somebody and... Uh, well, this is that scene. Oh, this, oh, right, right. And then later on, they oh. call it back right, at right, the right. end of the movie, yeah. Confused. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, eventually he pleads with it not to kill, and, and eventually the suits, like, agrees to that or whatever. Right. But then that allows Carapax to get back up and beat the crap out of Jaime and get the upper hand. Um, so then uh, Carapax goes to kill Jaime, uh, but this is when Rudy... Rudy, like... I thought this was, a like... I don't know, a, a bit. So Rudy's driving his truck, and at first I'm like, oh, he's just going to yeah hit him, r- the, hit him which yeah. makes sense. But he's like, no, Jenny, when I say so, hit the handbrake, and we're going to like do like this 180-degree turn, and the crap machine that's in the back of my truck is just going to fly out and, and hit him. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you could do that, or you could just hit him yeah. with the truck, which would have made more sense. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, my taco, Not I can't my truck. do it. <laughs> my precious taco, I can't do it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the machine hits Carapax, and, and they, they get out of Dodge. Um, so then they all travel to Jenny's childhood home, and she uses the key she got to access uh, her father, Ted Cord's beetle cave. Um, so Rudy, he's kind of amazed that T- uh, Ted Cord uh, was the Blue Beetle. And apparently, like, he was a big fan mm-hmm. of the Blue Beetle. Uh, Jaime has a line where he says, uh, with these like inventions here, it just seems like he was a lame version of Batman. And that's where you get the scene from the trailer where Rudy's like, Batman's a fascist or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so Rudy boots up Ted's computer, which, <laughs> when was this computer built is what I want to know. It, it, I mean... It kind of does remind you like certain versions of the Bat computer, mm. but again, it it looks like it was built out of like ninety computers from like the eighties or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's got like the thick monitors and stuff. I'm like, okay, they were going for a visual here, but uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I want to know the history of when this computer was built. Um, um. So Rudy's like, uh, yeah, he boots up the computer and he's like, it's gonna take me a while to, uh, you know get searched through the information on this computer. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. So when they saved Jaime, like he was naked again, mm-hmm. conveniently he did like Rudy had extra clothes in his yeah. truck. So he put those on, but then like he, Rudy's like, man, your clothes stink. And he's like, well, they're yours. And then Jenny's like, Oh, I think my dad has some extra clothes you can wear. So, mm-hmm. um, they're going to, he's going to go change. Um, uh, before he changes, he does, we get a scene where he's looking at his face in the mirror and like he had a scratch from that fight mm-hmm. and we see that the scarab like can heal 
like yeah. the scratch or whatever, you know. Um, so we get a scene uh, with Jenny and Jaime where she reveals that because um, they're looking at like these paintings her mom did. Apparently, her mom died when she was six, and then shortly after, her father left, uh, uh, never to return again. And I don't. Does she even know? Like, does she think her father's dead, or does she think he just like abandoned her? Yeah, I don't. They don't really say like her. Susan Sarandon like forces the issue that her father abandoned her, but she doesn't exactly say herself what she believes her father. I don't know. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that. I don't think they ever really yeah. say for sure. Um, oh, she she um, says that she's envious of Jaime because uh, her home, even though it's big, like she's like it's filled with this home is filled with things, but your home is filled with love because. You know, she saw how, how much his family loves him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a scene where they almost kiss, but of course, they're interrupted by Rudy. Um, so, yeah, it's it's revealed that the scarab, you know, it has to, like, choose the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we find out it did originally choose Dan Garrett. Um, I guess the scarab wouldn't choose Ted, uh, so that's why Ted ended up, you know, using his inventions to fight crime rather than the scarab. Mm-hmm. Now... I I was a little cuz either in the opening credits in the headlines or maybe they mention it here it seems like Ted knew Dan Garrett and maybe was attempting to help him like separate from the scarab but never figured it out they they didn't go into detail but it, it, I remember seeing something where like it seemed like they knew each other and there was some sort of history okay. between those first two why would he want to separate from the scarab though scarab seems like Pretty awesome. <laughs> well, and that's what we get here in a minute with Jaime, and I'm like, yeah, it. This happens in a lot of, <laughs> I feel superhero movies where the the there's this reluctant hero which gets awesome powers, and then, yeah. and then he's like, wait, I got awesome powers. What am <laughs> I, I gonna do? I can do anything. Oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, um. So yeah, Rudy discovers that the scarab intertwines with the host's brain. And cannot be removed without killing the host. Yeah, and even I even wrote here. Jaime whines about being given powers <laughs> and storms outside. I thought that's. I thought it was so silly. I, I'm I like, dare somebody to give me powers. I know. I know. I'm like I'll be flying twenty four seven. I'll even take those crappy like uh, Cyclops eyes powers where I have to wear shades the whole time, or else I'm just destroying everything. Even though, like, I don't even know what I do with them, but yeah. I still take them. Yeah. <laughs> You have one bad day, you can go nuts. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that fire won't light. <laughs> you cut me off in traffic, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I also thought this was funny. Where uh, so Jaime <laughs> storms off, and Jenny's about to go after him, but Rudy's like, "No, no, I'll go get him." Um, I, I think I know where he'll go. Because <laughs> apparently, Rudy has a thing for rooftops. Cause we saw him on the roof of his house. Apparently, he just likes rooftops. Yeah. And like, whenever he's upset, he's going to go to a rooftop. And this happens in a lot of movies. Like, it's superhero movies especially, <laughs> like where they're like, oh, I know where he is. And it's a rooftop. I think it's because most of them can like either fly or swing or yeah. something. And they're like, yeah, the rooftop. They can see the city from right. there. Yeah. That's true, too. Like Even Batman's up high a lot of times like looking over his city, yeah. you know. <laughs> Um, 
So yeah, Jaime apologizes to Rudy and says like, yeah, I th- actually think you're pretty awesome. And they kind of make up. And I don't remember all the conversation there, but uh, as you were noted earlier, I, I know there was a conversation where Rudy talked about, you know, when he was a kid, like I think he crossed the border with his family at 10 years old. And then for the next 20 years, like they struggled and, 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 you know, but again, like the Reyes family never gives up and mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um... So, as Jenny joins them, I thought this was very convenient. She joins them, and conveniently, they see Victoria's helicopter fly right overhead of where they are, towards the city, and they surmise that, oh, they must be going after Jaime's family. Yeah, that's super convenient. I'm like, (laughs) because when I saw that helicopter, I'm like, oh, okay, they, they, Victoria discovered that, you know, she must have went to this house, and now they're going to land and, like, fight him at this house, but... No, they just happen to be flying right that's, over that that's house. That's another superhero trope, though. Like, whenever something has to happen, like, they just look out the window and they're like, oh, there it is. Let's go get him. You know, like, it's such a common thing. And, like, th- this is a massive city. This happened in Spider-Man also. Like, all these movies, like, where, yeah, like, the plot has to move forward with some sort of convenient thing happening. This was not only super convenient that it just happened to go right over the house they're in. But also, that helicopter happens to have, like, um, neon lights on it. Because otherwise, it would just be like, oh, it's just a helicopter. But no, it's Victoria's helicopter specifically has neon lights on the bottom. It's like, oh, that's her helicopter. (laughs) And it's going to the city. I can only assume they're going to kill my family. Oh, man. It was just... Yeah. Love it. I mean, this is a massive city with millions of people. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so convenient. um, um, Okay. So Victoria, uh, you know, they were, of course, right. So Victoria sticks her soldiers on the family. And I wrote, casually tells them to round them up. Because, again, casual racism. Round up those brown people. Mm -hmm. um, Which they do. Uh, So back on the rooftop, like, Jaime is struggling to get the suit to come out. Um but oh, I guess I kind of skipped over this because Rudy was mentioning that like the suit will always try to keep him alive, mm-hmm. which to to me again, like you were talking about, why whine about this? Oh, now I have this suit that's going to try to protect me, like yeah. whenever I'm in danger. That's a pretty <laughs> good thing, if you yeah. ask me. Like I, I don't think I'd be whining about that. There's been no downside except for the whole transformation part. Yeah, except for beginning. having to be butt naked, also yeah. whenever the suit comes off. But yeah, and the transformation looked a bit pa- yeah. uh, painful, but <laughs> but that's already done. So what are right, you that do? part's done. <laughs> you want to undo it? That's gonna be pretty bad too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he's like figures. Oh, if I jump off the roof, the suit's going to come out to to save me. So he he does the leap of faith, and of course it works. Uh, so Jaime shows up to save his family. Uh, he asks Kaji Da, of course the 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 scarab, to give him non lethal weapons. So she gives him like these sonic cannons, I guess, to beat the bad guys with. Mm-hmm. And also, like he shoots like these large kind of like horseshoe things that'll like you know nail them against surfaces and hold them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jaime easily wins until Victoria orders Carapax, again, this was kind of convenient, to shoot him with, like, this large claw-type yeah. weapon, which, first of all, it was convenient that they would have even invented that weapon for some reason, but also, it it almost causes Jaime to lose his abilities, really. Yeah. Which I'm like, why would it? Exactly. Like the suit should be more powerful than whatever this claw is, because the claw is from lesser technology, right? Yes. 
Yeah, I don't understand how that worked. <laughs> and, and it also, like, the suit's supposed to protect him, but as soon as he get, gets hit with that, it takes his mask off. I'm like, you're not protecting him, suit. Yeah. You just made him very vulnerable. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? So it's yeah, it's like this magical claw almost had the ability to, to you know, affect this suit that has way more t- high-tech stuff in it. And yeah. I was just like, you lost me a bit, movie. Yeah. That doesn't, it, it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So during the fight, and I guess this would have happened like moments before Jaime was hit with that claw. Uh, at some point, a candle was knocked over and the, the, the house is like burning down. Uh, but also Jaime's dad uh, starts having a heart attack. And so we get kind of this sad scene where like his sister is like crying, holding on to his dad while he's being dragged away, seeing that his dad is like having a heart attack. Uh, and then we get this like slow motion montage of the EMTs trying and failing to save uh, his father's life. And then it's like the next morning uh, and the family's like, ga- you know, gathered around the house. And uh, Jaime's grandmother tells his sister that, hey, you need to stop crying. <laughs> You can cry later. About your dead father. Yeah. <laughs> Stop crying about your dead father already, my son. Because uh, we need to toughen up right now. We need to fight and we need to go save Jaime. Um, and right, I wrote right on cue, Jenny shows up and says, hey, I think I can help out with that. And this was this was this is where I say like suspension of disbelief really plays a part because like three elderly people and his sister and then Jenny Cord, like they all like suit up and everything right. or like team up to like go infiltrate and everything it's wild in this blue beetle thing i especially had a hard time with the grandmother yeah because i'm like somebody obviously thought oh this will add some much needed humor to the movie or whatever yeah. but it just made me roll my eyes and be like you shouldn't have done that yeah it yeah. was silly i didn't like it yeah she was uh she was doing too much yeah um, so Jenny takes the family to uh, the Beetle ship, which I actually thought this thing looked cool. I, I thought it was it was all right, but it was just funny that they were all sitting in it like these elderly people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's Let's good. go get them, guys. <laughs> there is a, definitely a silliness to it, which <laughs> makes you roll your eyes a little bit. But um, and this Beetle contains a bunch of weapons they can use. Um, so the sister grabs what looks like a old like Nintendo Power Glove kind oh, of. Oh right, yeah, and she figured out how to use it pretty easily. <laughs> yes, it, it, and it basically has like offensive and defensive capabilities. It can either project like a, a, a energy shield or like a fist. Yeah, a shield that people will not shoot around at all. They'll just shoot the shield, <laughs> right. just like Wonder Woman. <laughs> they do graze her shoulder. Oh least. yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but not those legs. The legs are okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> And they also set up this this uh, thing where they're like, she's like, oh, there's some bubble gum, and, and like, I think Jenny's like, oh yeah, that's something my my dad made, and like, you know, it'll come into play yeah. later, but uh, they don't really tell you what it's about right then. Um, and we get a scene where the granny grabs a Gatling gun. Again, yeah. I hated this. Too many questions. Like I was like, that Gatling gun must be huge. Like she must, it must weigh a ton, and she's carrying it like it's nothing. That's the other thing. Is like she's an old woman. She she could not have packed this big old Gatling. Right. So and like they also make this whole thing about oh, Granny used to be a revolutionary down in Mexico or something. Doesn't and mean she, she's still got the body <laughs> for it. And like, yeah, she's like. Dude, I, I hated that whole subplot. I was like, I wouldn't. Have, I didn't mind the granny up until this point in the movie, yeah. where I'm like, 
she should have just stayed home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, even if she came on the journey, like she doesn't have to do all that. Right, you know? she could have just stayed in the ship and yeah. done something. But yeah, I, I definitely thought that was too silly. I didn't like it. Um, okay. So apparently, Jenny says that um, Jaime is being held in some sort of island fortress. Um, apparently, Victoria owns her own island or something. And the plan is for Jenny and the sister to blow up a power generator while the others cause a distraction. Um, oh, yeah, I wrote Rudy and later on the mother somehow know how to fly the, this beetle jet. Yeah. I had a big problem. Like I, <laughs> like I said before, I was already kind of like uh, rolling my eyes on the fact that, you know, Rudy was this guy who could make all this, you know, equipment to hide from the government and like with the whole surveillance stuff. But then here I'm like, okay, where did he learn how to fly? Yeah. Not, and this is a one-of-a-kind jet, too. It's not like, even if he knew how to fly like a regular like jet, I don't even know if that would translate to flying this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so it's just like uh, too convenient. Like with stuff like this, I would need like a manual. I would need somebody. I need like a five hours to figure this out. You know, like maybe more. You, probably years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, he 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 just and and not only does he automatically know how to do it. Like later on, I said when they're escaping, the mother will be flying it. <laughs> All right, your turn. <laughs> yeah. It's very intuitive. <laughs> User friendly. It's like an iPhone. <laughs> Um, so Jaime uh, wakes up. He's attached to like this uh, circular ring, and Victoria orders her scientist, who she keeps calling Sanchez, even though he's like, you know, kind of meekly says, eh, "That's not my name," but she's like, "Sanchez, get to it." Uh, so he's going to transfer the code from Jaime um, to her system, uh, and she mentions that like, "Oh, it was nice that you were able to wake up the scarab because now we can get its code." Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, it makes me wonder, like, what it, what was their plan otherwise to get yeah. the scarab open? I guess they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they would have just, like, kept cycling in people and be like, does it choose you? Does it choose you? <laughs> throw it at somebody. <laughs> um, and also, um, there's also a line hooked from him up to Carapac. So apparently the code will not only, like, transfer into her, like, phone or tablet or whatever, but it will also uh, transfer into Carapax um, and turn him into the OMAC. Um, Carapax is holding a locket with a picture of his family. Um, let's see. Okay. So now the family crash lands on the island. And, um, you know, I mentioned that, um, you, you know, the last couple movies we did, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and... Uh, um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse had, like, a lot of hip-hop and, like, mm-hmm. you know, music that wasn't really uh, for me. And this movie also had some music that wasn't really for me. But they did throw me a bone here because mm-hmm. uh, Rudy uh, plays uh, Jumpstart My Heart by <laughs> Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they start, like, taking out people with this uh, uh, Beetle Jet. Because it also has, like, these legs on it. And they they basically just, like, stomp yeah. like guys, which which uh, I kind of liked. The only thing I <laughs> hated is the end where where he's like oh i'm going like uh, in incognito mode or something and it, it's like activate but bug fart or something mm. and it like doesn't makes it it basically just a fart joke where yeah. it does like the fart sound effect and it like gases all the guys that are left and again i'm like really did you need that it's just like another granny with a gun yeah. level type of humor and i'm like didn't need that 
so Jenny and the sister sneak sneak in, and they discover a room full of OMAC suits uh, that are basically uh, being powered uh, powered up by the code being siphoned from Jaime because he's in like the room right above them. Um, Victoria's scientist, again, who she calls Sanchez, even though it's not his name, uh, tells her that Jaime could die, and she she's basically again mustache twirling. Well, that's what I want. Yeah. Like we can, you know, take the suit off his corpse or whatever she says. You mm. know. Um. So Jenny and the sister plant bombs in that room with the Omax suits, which I think also um, contains like the power generator they were after, or whatever too. Um. So as like we get like this thing where we can see like. Oh, this much of the code has been transferred over, you know, uh, countdown or going up to a hundred percent or whatever. So as it's getting close, uh, we get the scene where we go inside Jaime's head, and we get a scene where he basically gets to say goodbye to his father. Um, I don't exactly know, remember their conversation again. I think it was just basically this: his father was proud of him and said it wasn't his time, and the whole thing about you know the Reyes family will triumph and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Uh, also in that vision, there's a vision of the beetle suit. And so Jaime's like, I know what I got to do. I got to jump and touch the suit. And as soon as he touches the beetle suit, um, like at the same time, the, the bombs go off, uh, care packs receives the rest of the code, which allows him to start transforming into OMAC. Um, and also I think that must free Jaime from his restraints as well. Something I'm not sure how he got out, but maybe that was it. Yeah. Um, at some point, Carapax drops the, the locket he was holding with his family and Victoria, uh, picks it up. Uh, so the t- scientist, uh, takes pity on Jaime and allows him to escape the room. And then when Victoria asks, uh, like Sanchez, what are you doing? He's like, my name's not Sanchez. It's blah, 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 blah. And he lists like, I don't know. He's like one of those people with like names. five or six yeah. names. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, uh, basically busts like the mechanism for opening the door and then Jaime, as he's like looking through the the glass in the door, sees Carapax, who's now fully like Omac, uh, kill the scientist. Um, so Jaime he runs away, and he discovers that he can't use the suit at that moment because it's rebooting. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a scene where Jenny and the sister end up like getting separated because like a section of the ceiling falls down. Yeah, and um, I I believe what happens is Jenny kind of gets pinned under some rubble or something and victoria is able to capture her okay i think i think i'm remembering that right um jaime gets cornered and is almost killed by a group of soldiers when here it comes he gets saved by granny with the gatling gun again (laughs) i i did hate this but it happened also like i'm glad they established that his suit was bulletproof because she just shoots these guys with the gatling gun and he's directly behind yeah, him. i was like she could have shot him up real good <laughs> Although, at that point he did not have his mask so she could have like definitely <laughs> killed him um so jaime and his grandma i i believe they end up going to the ship because i remember jaime has a spot where he reunites with his mom and his mom gives him a speech about you know using his pain to kick the bad guy's butt or whatever um, so now we get a scene with the sister that we referenced earlier. Um, she's shot at by this big group of soldiers. And so she uses the, the Nintendo power glove mm-hmm. <laughs> shield and we do get it, it, at least one bullet goes through and like nicks her in the shoulder or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but now Jaime suit has finished rebooting. And so he easily beats the, all these 
bad guys up. And the, like the last one, his sister like d- uses the old glove punch on. Um, I might be missing some stuff in here, but now uh, basically Carapac shows up and he starts to fight Jamie, and they like bust through a wall. Um, Hamie ends up knocking Carapax around with a giant sword that he makes. That's also in the trailer where he yeah. makes that, like, that big, like, Final Fantasy type sword. Yeah, pretty cool sword. Yeah. Although, he makes a sword, but then it basically just shoots, like, blue energy out of it instead yeah. of, like, sli- actually slicing him. Yeah, when he hits somebody with it, with like, he doesn't kill them. He right. Just, yeah. But it's so, pretty powerful. It still knocks him out. It does, but I thought that was a little lame. I'm like, if you make a big sword like that, I wanted to see it slice through something. Yeah, I should cut him in half. <laughs> should at least slice off some of his armor or yeah. something, you know? Um, um, eventually, Carapax ends up get, getting the upper hand again. He almost kills Jaime again, but uh, Rudy shows up and, like, throws some bricks at him. Yeah, like, two, just, two, like, circular balls or something? <laughs> something know. like that. <laughs> uh, and, and, like... Carapex like launches like an explosion at Rudy and like Jaime believes that Rudy is killed. Um, okay. So now we're in the helicopter. Uh, Victoria has Jenny held at gunpoint in her helicopter and reveals, uh, that she has the beetle code, um, saved on her. I guess, it, I don't know if it's her phone or a tablet or some sort of device she has. She's like, I got the code right here. I would think that code would be like way too big for her phone, probably. This is another thing I thought was convenient is like, or as apparently she doesn't use the cloud or, <laughs> you know, you would think, you would think something this important, like it would either be saving to like some sort of well-protected server somewhere yeah, or to the cloud or something, you know, other than just like, oh no, it's in this device. Yeah. And if something happens to this device, I'm screwed. Right. Um, so Jenny is chewing the bubble gum from earlier, and um, when she spits it out, I thought this was like too. It expands and basically envelops her and Victoria in like this big like bubble, like like the oh, gum, right? right, right, right. Yeah. It like expands around them, and so that causes the uh, helicopter to crash. But they're basically protected enough by like being wrapped in this big like wad of gum. How does that? I want to know the physics of that gum though. It's like it it doesn't expand like as long as she's chewing it, but then like what when it cools down to a certain temperature when it's in the regular air or something it expands. I mean, look in these movies like there's some there's always like some hero who has like a hundred years plus future tech that <laughs> somehow he hasn't introduced to anybody in the world. <laughs> like he doesn't use it for good, like in other ways. <laughs> you know what? That's true. Like he was just beating low level criminals with this stuff. Yeah. When really he probably could have found some sort of application that would have like saved save people's, people's lives. lives. Like, plane crashes, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um so Jaime eventually gets Carapax down. And he's going to kill him, but this is like when you referenced earlier. Now the thing's reversed, where now the Kaji Da, the scarab, uh, uh, stops him and says, We don't kill. Um, and she's like, Also, I got a glimpse of Carapax's backstory when the code was being transferred, and he shares that with Jaime. Okay, so we get to these series of flashbacks. And so I, basically, it turns out that when he was a kid, Carapax's mom was killed by some Cord Industries bombs that went off in his country. And then he was ter- basically turned into a child soldier who worked for Victoria. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I wrote, question, do their ages make sense given this revelation? Right. Because 
I don't know how old Carapax is, but like he seems like an older dude to me. Yeah. And I don't know how old Susan Sarandon is, but I'm like, is there really like you know a tw- at least a twenty year age gap between these two to to where this would make sense? I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, uh, it just seemed weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, I guess Carapax was injured by a landmine, and that's when Victoria saved his life and gave him the metal arm and all the implants and all that. So Jaime spares Carapax, uh, and Jenny destroys Victoria's, you know, phone slash device that held all the Beetle code on it. Um, Rudy and the family show up on the Beetle jet, so Rudy is alive. He was hanging on the bottom of the ship. Uh, Jenny gets on board, but like <laughs> Jaime, like he should have just got on board then. But I think he's like, no, nah, I want to see how this like ends with Carapax and Victoria or whatever. And so Carapax ends up grabbing Victoria. He takes back the locket, which I think had a picture of like him as a baby with his mom or something. And then Jaime uh, realizes that Carapax has uh, overloaded his suit. And plans to kill both himself and Victoria. So he runs to the jet, and they all narrowly avoid getting killed in the explosion. And and this is where his mother uh, takes control of the jet yeah. and is flying. Um, the, you know, this is another thing that happens in a lot of these movies is like, um, oh, we're just going to overload the core of the suit. Or, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Which, okay, why is this an option on these suits? But okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, Carapax, he kind of takes, like, a, I forget what exactly he says to Jaime, but he kind of takes, like, you know, a good guy turn right mm-hmm. at the end there. But then, then he's like, well, if you don't hurry, you're totally going to die. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we cut to the, uh, we're kind of getting to the resolution. Uh, we cut to the family back at the aftermath math of their burnt house. Um, all their neighbors end up showing up and, and throw them a big old, like, block party. Uh, Jenny shows up on her motorcycle and gives Rudy a new pickup truck, a new taco. Uh, of course, it's blue. Um, and then Jaime's like, let me walk you to your motorcycle. And they finally have their, their kiss. And then the, I don't remember what the suit says, but she, the suit notices like that he's getting a bone. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I detect a rush of blood to your nether regions yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, of course, his family sees the kiss and they're all hooting and hollering too. And then uh, we end the movie with him flying into the sky. Uh, apparently, she's going to go back to her house because she wants to look at her mom's paintings again or something. And that's credits. Uh, we do get a, a, med, a mid-credit stinger. So mid-credit scene, uh, back in the Beetle Cave. Um, <laughs> they threw me another song I recognize. All Out of Love by Air Supply comes on, um, which I don't know why exactly. Because, like, okay, it's one thing that, like, okay, the computer, for whatever, flips back on. Why would that song start playing? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all, all Out of Love by Air Supply starts playing, and uh, eventually, like, it starts, like, skipping and stops. Uh, but basically, the Beatle computer flips on, and it reveals that Ted Cord is still alive. You know, it's like, get this message to Jenny uh, and let her know that her father's still alive or whatever. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, if they make another one of these, that could be interesting. Well, yeah. Get Ted Cord, and I think that's a big part of like. Um, again, I've never read any of the Jaime Reyes comics, but I, I think in at least some of them, Ted Cord kind of becomes his mentor and like teaches him the, okay, you know how to be a superhero and kind of stuff like that. 
Now, AJ, did you make the mistake of waiting to the very end to see no, if No, I didn't even see the mid-credit scene. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Yeah, I left right after the movie. <laughs> okay. The, well, the mid-credit scene was okay. Mm-hmm. But boy, did did I uh, take a bullet for you. So <laughs> it gets to the end credit stinger, and it all it does is play that, you know, that stupid, like, Spanish cartoon? Oh, from it, the... Okay. It plays that thing, oh. which is just, like, this stupid little thing that lasts, like, maybe 10 seconds, and it's just dumb. Okay. Um... So yeah, if if you do go watch this in theaters, if you haven't gone yet, do not. You can watch that that mid credit one, but do not stay to the end. I just, I just, if nothing else, I saved you. <laughs> um. So AJ, did I miss anything that you think would be worth talking about? I think you covered everything. Uh, I don't know. I just I'll mention that you know I really liked the whole use of the family in this movie for the most part. You know, like there was some, of course, the grandmother. Fun right. Could have done it. without the granny with the gallon gun. Yeah, but I mean, all in all, I think the family really helped give this movie a lot of heart. Yeah, I agree. If there's one strength to this movie, it is like their chemistry and their yeah. dynamic. And like I said, I think um, the standouts for me was uh, uh, George Lopez. Besides the fact that they they gave him a little too much knowledge, I think. Yeah. Um, I did like his character, and I think he was good comic relief. Yeah. And I also did like his uh, kind of back and forth with his sister. Yeah. I thought that relationship was 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 fun as well. So yeah. if they made another one of these, I, I would want to see at least those characters continue. Yeah, it'd be cool with that. Yeah. Um, okay, AJ, it's time for the official scoring round. What would you give Blue Beetle on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd give it a solid 6.8. I'm close. Uh, I'm six point five. All right. Yeah, it's it's one of those where like again, I think it um, maybe it is because I went with low expectations. Yeah. But I I watched it and I was like, you know, it 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 was fine. Yeah. It was like I did not I did not mind that. It was it was enjoyable enough. Again, if I ever revisit this thing, it'll be a long time from now. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever like really feel like oh I got to revisit this, but. And I do think it's something you can wait for 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 streaming a hundred percent for, but um, I do recommend watching it. I think it was yeah. it was fun enough. And like I said, I'm kind of indifferent to if, if they do decide to um, you know make this the first step into James Gunn's uh, DCU and actually you know carry forward with this character. But if they do, I won't be uh, sad about it. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think there's story potential there and. Uh, but if it is, does end up being a one and done, you know, fine. Yeah. You know, originally this movie was going to be um, a straight to HBO Max. Oh, really? Type of movie, okay. and then they decided to give it a theatrical release. Like, did you think? Um, you know, did it feel cheap to you? No, not at all. Yeah, I didn't really feel that either. I mean, I, I assume it probably did have a lower budget than a lot of their movies. Oh, which, CGI looked really good. Yeah, I didn't. There was nothing I saw that. Um, made me go. Ooh, that looked real uh, bad. Or anything. the Flash looked way worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There was no uh, no uh, bad CGI babies yeah. in this. At least, <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, I mean, maybe it's because uh, they, you know, limited uh, how much stuff they did, or or used it, you know, sparingly enough to where they never had to, uh, you know, stretch themselves too thin or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, there was never a part where i was like "Ooh, that looked really bad with the cgi or anything so no i think um again i don't think it has as much cgi as in a lot of their other movies but uh no nothing that looked looked terrible to me pretty good um all right aj i think that's it should we should we wrap this bad boy up sure all right guys well we thank you very very much uh we like doing these reviews uh if you have any like 
you know, suggestions, things you'd like us to review, um, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll, I won't guarantee we'll do it depending on what you recommend, but uh, we'll definitely look into it. I actually don't know what our next movie will be because, you know, with the strikes and things, a lot of things are getting postponed right. and, you know, originally Aquaman 2, I believe, was supposed to come out in December, but I, apparently they've been having a lot of troubles. They've reshot things in that movie, like, First of all, I'm not excited about that movie either. Yeah, I think it's no. going to be bad. And I didn't like the first one. But, you know, I would review it for the show, but I don't think that's coming out this year. I really don't. Oh, man. But Well, just between all the reshoots and trouble they're having there and, and like, the acting actor strike, which I've heard, like, a lot of people expect this strike to go, like, kind of towards the end of the year now. Well, what about Loki Season 2? Like, sh- sh- that's already shot, right? Oh, yeah. We should be able to do that. Yeah. I forget about Loki Season 2. Mm-hmm. So. That should save us a little bit. Yeah, be good. Um, if Dune Part Two sticks the land and comes out this year, I would definitely do Dune. Yeah. Um, do you want to watch uh, uh, the origin of Willy Wonka? <laughs> <laughs> if it comes down to that, we'll do it. <laughs> oh, God, God, I hope not. Please no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, guys, if you will, please subscribe to us both on the YouTube channel. Uh, and, uh, if you want to listen to us in audio form, audio form, you can, uh, subscribe on your podcast service of choice. Give us those thumbs up, five star reviews, all that good stuff. Um, (laughs) man, you know, I, I keep saying, you know, I'm still on Twitter, you know, X or whatever. It seems like each week there's something revealed, like where he's trying to make it even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I've never like. First of all, like not enough people follow me that I'm like blocking people. Or I, I don't think I would even ever care enough to to block anybody. But like the talk is like he's thinking about taking away like that block functionality, oh, yeah. which to me I'm like, you know I don't care. But I'm like I know a lot of people like would not use Twitter if not for having that yeah. block functionality. So it, it seems like you'd be losing. A lot. It does almost seem like he's trying to tank it. It does seem like it. And then I don't know if there's any validity to it, but I, I saw a thing on there today that said like he was proposing possibly making it to where like you would have to like um, verify your account, like some dating sites do, where you actually have to like take a picture of yourself, like you know that kind of thing. And I'm like, I wouldn't even stick with it if they made it that stringent. Yeah. So, I don't know. It almost does seem like he's trying to tank it. It does seem like it. I don't know. You know what? I mean, I have a conspiracy theory about this. Okay. I think that what if the government saw that Twitter is too powerful of a tool for people to, like, you know, get together and, like, you know, be active on? Like, they they can activate their forces quickly, right, people? And maybe they were like, hey, you, Patsy, why don't you pretend that you're buying Twitter and then we can tank it? And, you know, we'll pay out the people who actually did start the company. They won't know anything about this or whatever. But then, you know, we can just destroy this whole platform that's been causing us issues. Because the government, you know, it's been nothing but a pain in the ass for the government anyway, probably. Like Twitter? For many governments around the world, actually. I I don't know because I I feel like for them, they're like, oh, we got another tool to, in a way, spy on people. And in a way, like possibly like... You know, Russia uses social media to manipulate people. You know, our government uses social yeah. media to manipulate people. So they probably actually see it as a boon, just to another way Could, to manipulate yeah. people. Maybe. We're becoming the George Lopez of this <laughs> It's just so hard to believe that somebody would buy this company for $44 billion, lose 
three-fourths of the value of the company and then still keep shitting all over it to, like, make it worse and worse. Well, and wasn't there a weird thing at, at first where, like, he, he entered into buying it and then he almost backed out, yeah. but that would have, like, cost him money, so yeah. he, like, went ahead and did it. And then, like, he did all these things that people hate. And I don't know. But anyway, still technically on there at Zach Jones Live, if you're interested. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, but anyway, I think that's going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care.